0: We are in a series right now called Climb, and what we've been talking about is this idea that we do life together, and for some of you, that might be a difficult. Um, thing to hear—it's that you feel you would feel more comfortable alone. I mean, that's we kind of fall into these different categories where some the more the merrier, and for others it's like I just my dream uh, day is that everyone leaves the house and I and I just sit there, and which is fine when it comes to just how you spend your Saturday. But when it comes to life, because there's so many ups and downs, and when it comes to uh, trying to get to a place where you're, you're experiencing God in a way that's deeper than you ever have before or different, more different than it's ever been before or what have you. This is where it helps to have the people coming alongside of you. And what I want to talk about this morning is a story about Jesus um, where there was a guy who needed to get to Jesus and it was, it was impossible for him. There was no way he was going to get to Jesus. And we'll see in a little bit. And already, just by saying that, the people who've been Christians for a long time are like, ooh, ooh, I think I know the story, okay? Put your hands down, okay? Yes, it's that story. Golly. You guys are like, oh, boy. Okay? And other people who are like, don't read the Bible are just like, I don't know. I didn't know what the story was. Don't talk like that. So, um but, but, but this guy could not make it to Jesus. Now, now, here's the thing. I'm just going to start off from the very beginning, just let you in on something. There are some people in your life that cannot get to Jesus unless you bring them there. Let me say that again. There are some people God has placed in your life where he wants you to be a part of getting them to Jesus. Now, if you're like me, you have a certain thing, even when I say something like you have to bring them to Jesus, you have pictures of having a giant wig and having John 3.16 and uh, you know, that guy or bullhorn guy where you're at the pier and you've got to like, yell at people with a, with a bullhorn or whatever. What, I, what I'm going to hopefully show you this morning is that you don't even have to know that much about Jesus to help someone come to Jesus. To bring somebody to Jesus. You don't even have to know all the Bible verses. Let me, let me put it this way. You don't even have to have your own faith worked out. You, you just have to know that there's something about Jesus. And it's just inviting people along the same journey we're all on. This is why at our church... We say that you can belong you can be a part of what we're doing before you even believe, before you even know, before you even worked, worked it all out. And so uh, we're going to look at a story this morning uh, where, where, they, where they bring uh, somebody who couldn't get to Jesus, their, his friends bring them to Jesus. The other thing we're going to see this morning, and I'll just tell you right up in the front, is that Jesus doesn't often deal with what we think our real needs are. <laughs> See, some of you are here um, because your marriage is in crisis and you're thinking, eh, maybe if we just start going to church, and that's great, and church can help your marriage. Uh, some of you, you've, you've had a career or a path you've led in your life and it hasn't helped you, and you've gotten to a bottom place and you're like, I think I need God or I think I need the Bible or I or I my grand my grandma says she's praying for me to go to church. I think I'll just go to church, right? And so here you are. And that's fine. Some of you your finances are really struggling. You're praying to God for a job or you're praying to God to ha- have things uh get um, turn around there. Some of us, um, have addictions that we're trying to struggle our way out of. And, 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 and so we go to Jesus for that. And, and those things are all great. Some of us have kids, um, that have turned a, a corner the way that we never intended them to turn. And we are just on our knees before God. And we look in the Bible and we're trying to do the best we can to, to write them. Some of, uh, the if you're a, kid here, if you're a youth here, um, and maybe you've been praying for your folks because you know things aren't going that's right uh, that well, and you're, you're there, you're here, and saying, God, fix their marriage, fix our life, fix this, fix that, fix this. Yeah. And those are all super important, and that's why we fill out our prayer cards, and that's why we do all, all, all these things. But there's another need, a need that we all have, that unless that need gets met, the other ones, while important, don't really make that much of a difference. So this morning, um, it was really cool. I was, again, uh, uh, like Eeyore coming into the sanctuary. And it's like, everyone's like, are you sick? Or have you just been beaten with a rod? Or what, what's going on? And, and so some people came and prayed for me. They laid hands on me. And, I, and, and like this, you know, they, they didn't want to... T- <laughs> They're like, Lord, you, just with the faith, just put him over the other side and you know we're in, you know, virtually laying hands on him. But they, they were praying for me and and um and I believe that God heals. And so I'm 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 excited, okay? But we're gonna look at something that Jesus did. That almost is offensive, okay? And so we're in Mark chapter 2 and uh, starting in verse 1. And so if you have a Bible or you have a mobile device that uh, has a Bible on there, if you want to follow along, Mark uh, chapter 2, and we'll have the verses behind me as well. But Jesus' ministry is starting to ramp up. He's already healed a leper, which we don't really have many around here. But, uh, but that's what I felt like once people knew I was sick. Uh, it was like, unclean, un- unclean, keep him away. But Jesus already healed a leper. He's, he's um, healed a bunch of stu- uh, people at Peter's house. And so he's back again. And here's where we are. A few days later, and again, it's referencing another story prior to it. A few days later... Um, then, uh, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, which is where Peter lived, the people heard that he had come home. And so, so this is what you're going to begin to see. If you kept reading the book of Mark, you'd see these different things were people. Jesus was a big deal. And people were bringing people to Jesus to get healed for their felt needs, to, to have the blind receive sight, to have uh, the, the leper be healed, to have, to have Jesus lay hands on their kids to bless them and to heal them, to cast out demons and all these types of things. And so the people heard, <clears throat> excuse me, that he had come home. And watch what happens. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. So, so, so there's this house, if you can imagine it and picture your own house or, um, uh, you know, your apartment or whatever. And somebody shows up, and there's so many people you can you can't even get in. It's just like a it's like a house party. It's like, a, it's just like, you know, it's like a, you know, and and you 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 start approaching this house, and you realize there's something going on in there. And so this is what happens, and they they gather in large numbers, and and we'll see some different things in the nuance of this story. This story is also in two other Gospels, in Matthew and in Luke, and so you can read um, both of them uh, as well and kind of put different things together. But they, they, they gathered in these large numbers. Some men came, bringing him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them, this is the man I was talking to you about that was never, ever, ever going to get to Jesus on his own, ever. He was, he was paralyzed. And, and, and also, just to understand the culture, if you were um, sick or um, uh, you, uh, you were paralyzed or you were blind or whatever, that was God judging you. That's what they believed. That there's a reason you're paralyzed, and it's probably something you did. Okay, which adds to the pain of what it would be like to have a felt need around that time. If, if the religious leaders believed that the, your deepest felt need, the thing that you think the most, I don't want to be paralyzed anymore, that then not only do you still have that need, you have people, the authority, the religious uh, people of the day telling you it was something you did or your parents did. As a matter of fact, there's this really... Um, funny story, and uh, we'll, we'll go over it again. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. I think I've preached on it twice in the last 10 years I've been here, about this this um, kid who's blind, right? Well, he's not a kid. He's like probably in his 30s, and, and here's the question the disciples ask. They see this blind person, and the disciples ask Jesus, did he sin or was it his parents? <laughs> like, that's, that's the question they ask, and Jesus is like, What in the, what? Like, no, stop. And so that was how the story starts. We'll hit it some other time, but it was was really awesome. But that's what is going on here. And so these guys bring this paralyzed man to, to, to Jesus, the four of them, carry Now, just to get the picture of what it must be like for this guy. Because he's nowhere near Jesus, he's paralyzed, so he's probably at home, or they'd carry him to the street every single day, and he would beg. That's how people with those types of needs um, were taken care of. If you were blind, you would be taken, or you would somehow get to the street, and you would would beg for alms, and that's how you'd get money. So he was either there, or he was at home, and uh, these guys show up. Now, I don't know whose idea it was. Okay, like I don't know if there was one, one ringleader of the friends. I don't know if, if, if um, maybe it was the paralyzed guy who just kept bugging his friends, bugging his friends. I got to get to Jesus. I got to get to Jesus. I keep hearing these stories about healings. I, I, I have to get to Jesus. Maybe it was all four of them. They were sitting back and they're like, you know, have you been hearing about this Jesus thing? I, I, I went, I heard him talk. One time, he is different than anyone, and I watched him heal some people. You think he could heal Charlie? <laughs> Do you, you think he could? Like, could we get Charlie to Jesus, and Charlie would be healed? And so, so, so you can imagine what it was like when they picked him up at home. Each one had a corner of the, the a pallet that he was on or his, his mat, you know, and they're, they're carrying Charlie to Jesus and they get to this house and it's just packed. There's no way he, they're getting in. And what we're going to see in a little bit, and this is the thing that's so frustrating, okay, is that the people who are actually in the house, the, the ones who have the best seat, they're the teachers of the law. The people who actually need Jesus the most, they're they're shoved outside. They have to look in and, and peer in. And to me, it just reminds me how easy it is to let religion, to let those types of things, to let our institutions block people from Jesus, when in fact, it should be us just bringing them to Jesus. Not bringing him to church, not bringing him to a set of rules. Not, that all comes later. We just got to get him to Jesus. And so this is what happens. And so he's carried by four of them. Now watch this. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof of somebody's home. <laughs> okay? So when I said, hey, picture your house and picture it really crowded, you're like, oh, yeah, cool. You know, you got the bean dip over here and you got this over here or whatever. Now imagine, you know, <laughs> you know, you're sitting there and like sawdust starts falling uh, down on you. This is what was happening. They made an opening. So Jesus is teaching. It would be like if I'm here right now and all of a sudden debris like starts falling on my head and... Uh, and of course, where would, where would you, would, would the sermon continue? And no, you'd all be looking up there. And I'd be like, what? The? And so I'd move over or whatever. This is what it feels like when a <clears throat> cell phone goes off. But anyway, so, the, um, <laughs> so the begin, it starts to open up up there. Now, if you're the own, this is the thing, the Bible leaves so much stuff out. It's like, if you're the owner of the house, what do you do? Like, do you say, hey, get off my roof, you crazy kids, or whatever? Like, we don't hear about what happened. Um, and, and it was most likely Peter's house or Peter's, or Peter's in-laws' house. Maybe because it was Peter's in-laws, he's just like, "Ah, oh, this will be awesome. I don't know. I don't know how Peter got along with his in-laws, Okay. So they make this opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it. Now, the roofs back then were a little different. You would replace your roof every year. You had beams, and then you would, um, before the rainy season, you'd go up, you'd remove the old Roof and you'd put a new one on and all this kind of stuff. So it wasn't quite like uh, you know um, they're on the you know c- the the clay tiles or whatever, pulling those off. But it's still a, a a major undertaking. And imagine how big that hole had to be to get a paralyzed guy down. I mean, that's a big, that's a pretty big thing. But I, I put this in yellow because I I want to keep reiterating the fact. Their only goal was to get him to Jesus. Jesus would do everything Jesus does. They just had to get him there. They were just part of the thing. It took all four of them to get him there so that he could have an encounter with Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong. They have one thing on their mind, and it's not Jesus's sermon, okay? They want him to have his deepest felt need met. If you had identified him, as a matter of fact, in the Bible, he's, his identity is the paralytic. <laughs> That's his identity. And for a lot of us, that becomes, our deepest need becomes our identity. We become divorced. We become single parent. We become, um, you know, my, my parents are at different you know, things for Christmas. We become, we, we become the, the person, you may, may, maybe, if you're honest, you might self-identify as your biggest mistake. That's the thing you just can't let go of. And so you've got this deep felt need and you just want Jesus to take it away. So they have to get him to Jesus. So they lowered him. Uh, uh, they lowered the mat the man was lying on I want you to get this guy's perspective, okay? He comes down. He's still paralyzed, but he's looking up at Jesus, like Jesus, right in the face, and his buddies are up peering over (laughs) into the roof. He's got his friends up there looking down like, I wonder what Jesus is going to do. And it's like, you okay down there, buddy? You know, and he's, he's looking up. So he sees Jesus and he sees his friends. This is the connection that this guy has with his friends because they brought him to Jesus. And so uh, Jesus, what Jesus does next is, um, is great. <laughs> but let's not make any uh, bones about it. They're there to have him Healed of being paralyzed. That's why they're there. As a matter of fact, when the whole thing started happening with the roof and they started lowering this guy down, everybody in that house knew why they were doing this and what they were doing. Everybody did. They're like, oh my goodness, they're bringing this guy down to have Jesus healed because Jesus had just healed a whole bunch of people in that house. So here's what Jesus says. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, or basically child, your sins are forgiven. Now, I'm a pastor, and that is disappointing. <laughs> like, oh, cool, thanks. Thanks for the, the, the sins. You know I'm paralyzed. I don't know if I mentioned that, Okay. You know, we just put a big hole in the thing. You know, that, that's the thing. Now, now here's, here's, the, here's the point I want us to get this morning. The number one need we have is often not our felt need. So you might be going through something really tragic right now. You might be in a dark space right now. You might be at church just to see if Jesus can do anything, to see if the Bible can do anything, to see if anything can change. And that's your, that is your felt need. But that is not your most crucial need. Your most crucial need is the same as my most critical need, that our sins get forgiven. And so whether we go to Jesus for whatever reason it is, to have a better life, for a good luck charm, for whatever, to, to, to change, we've, we've seen the way we've done our life and now we need a change. All that is fantastic, but your number one need is to have your sins forgiven. And my number one need is to have my sins forgiven. Because if my sins aren't forgiven, what good is it if I can walk? Walk? If my sins aren't forgiven, what good is it that I turn my finances around? If my sins aren't forgiven, what good is it that I, I finally get uh, into a great relationship, a marriage, or a boyfriend, or whatever it is? Or if my sins aren't forgiven, and I, I want my parents back together, that's great. But if my sins aren't forgiven, not, not even that, because here's the thing. Jesus healing, Jesus healed a lot of people, and they're dead, right, and it's not because Jesus didn't do a good job healing them, and so Jesus heals the blind person, and and guess, guess what, that was a couple thousand years ago, they're not walking around here, And so even though they were healed and their their felt need was ministered to, their most important need is to have a relationship with their Heavenly Father. And that only comes by God forgiving our sins. That is the way we come into relationship with God, is that our sins are forgiven. And so Jesus says this to him, Hey, son, your sins are forgiven, to which friends upstairs were like, wait, what? <laughs> like, and also some healing, please. You know, I don't know like what they were doing. And I don't know if the paralytic was just like, what does that mean? Now watch what happens because they weren't the only ones disappointed. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there. That's why I was saying this, this just bothers me. Um, that, that here's these people trying to get to Jesus, either for their felt need or for their spiritual needs or whatever, and the teachers of the law, the ones that know everything, the ones that um, are the religious elite, they're the ones taking up all the space. They're the, if you've the expression, the butts in seats that don't allow any more seats. Is these guys. And not only that, look at their attitude. Now, some of the teachers of the law were sitting there, Thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? To which Jesus said, why did you use the word fellow? Nobody uses that word. No. Um, (laughs) Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Okay? Now, here's here's one of the kickers. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Who can forgive sins but God alone? How does Jesus just look at somebody... And say, because of the faith of their friends, that their friends brought them to Jesus, your sins are forgiven. See, even though the teachers of the law were annoying and, 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 and they were elite and they were judgmental and all this kind of stuff, it's a really good question. You just can't say your sins are forgiven. Only God can do that. And as a matter of fact, to, to their defense, that isn't even how it works. Okay? the way it works is that you 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 have your sins and you know about them and so you go purchase an animal and it all depends on how much money you make and where your social status is and what sins you did it depends on which animal you bought and so you'd come with a sheep or Uh, What have you? And you'd bring this thing to the temple, and there would be a priest, and you'd wait in line. It was a very big deal. Maybe you had to travel all the way to Jerusalem. You had to go through all this kind of stuff, and then the the priest would slaughter that animal. You would have a prayer. Your sins would be forgiven. Um, The meat would be used for uh, both the temple and for uh, other things. It wasn't like, and and a lot of it would get burned up as well. And that is how you forgive sins. And they were right. That is how. That's, that's the Old Testament. That's the old law. So to have Jesus just willy-nilly go, oh, and all the sacrifice stuff, don't worry about that. Would have been a little eye-raising. Eye eye-raising? Eye. They'd raise some stuff. So anyway, um, who, who can do that? Now watch, immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts, which is just freaky that Jesus knew what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said, why are you thinking these things? Now, if I were a teacher of the law, I would just run out of the room, right? Because it's like, he knows what I'm thinking. Uh, Or maybe they just go, well, of course, that's what we're thinking. That's what everyone is thinking. In fact, what everyone was thinking is, is Jesus going to heal them? Now, this is so important because what Jesus is doing, is he's trying to tap into the felt need of this man and the felt need of the people who are, are, are um, going through stuff. And what he still tries to do is to tap into your felt need and my felt need and say there's a need that's deeper than that and it has to do with your soul. And I am the one who has the authority to fix your soul. And if your soul is fixed, you will find oftentimes that your felt need just diminishes even if it doesn't even get addressed. And so he says to them, uh, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier for me to say? To say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Where there's no evidence that anything happened or anything like that. Or get up, take your mat, and walk. Now, at this, at this point, the paralyzed guy is like, walk, 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 walk. <laughs> like, like, if I think this is going where I think you're going, I don't care what they think. Just do the walk part, and then we'll deal with the, with the sins and forgiven, and I can get that taken care of at the local temple. I don't, you know, whatever. But, uh, but why don't we do the walk, the walk thing first? But this is a really brilliant thing on Jesus' part because he's, he's trying to get people to understand. You know that felt need, the thing that you want to change more than anything else in your life, that one? There's one even more important than that. The forgiveness of your sins. That is what will take you into eternity. The other thing is, the sickness to begin with was the result of sin anyway. So, so I have a cold right now, right? That is the result of sin, okay? Probably not mine, although it could have been. I don't know. Uh, but that's all of sickness and disease. That's all of death. That's all of, 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 of pain. It, it's just a result of original sin that has been just carried through. Now, here's what happens a lot of times. We go to the God who can heal. We go to the God with the authority to forgive sins and we blame him for our felt need not being met <laughs> when he says there's something far beyond your felt need. It's your real need. It's your soul. And so he says, and here's what he says, but I want you to know that the Son of of man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Jesus doesn't say I want you to know I'm serious about this and I have a lot of authority and so I'm going to heal this guy. I want you to know that um, I have a lot of power. I want you to know I'm God and so I'll just heal this guy. No, he wants them to know that he has the authority to forgive sins. That's what Jesus wants them to know. And so he does something crazy. He says to the man, get up take your mat, and I just see so many sweet things with Jesus, and go home. Jesus sends him home. He doesn't send him on a speaking tour with Jesus, okay? He's not like, okay, I'm going to heal you, but here's what you owe me now, okay, because I'm going to go to all these different things, and you're going to get up and introduce me, and you're gonna have, we're going to put the mat out so everyone can see it, and you could say, oh, this is my mat, this was my felt need, this was my brokenness, and now Jesus. And he just says, go home. This is the kind of restoration Jesus does, and this is why, going back to my original thing, it is so important for us to bring people to Jesus. Because we might bring them to Jesus because we want their marriage healed, and that's great, but but he's going to deal with everybody in a different way. And so maybe your job, the, the, the reason you're here is that co-worker, you don't have to open your Bible at lunchtime and go, oh, well, so, um, you know, uh, I don't really know too much about it. Maybe you just say, hey, I'm just on this journey. You want to go to church with me? You, you want to, I mean, I, I just, I'm, I'm just in this process. But here's what I've seen. I've been around some people and this Jesus thing is real. It really is transforming their lives. He really does forgive sins. My past can be uh, uh, taken care of. I can be forgiven. I can be restored. The pain that I've gone through in the past can be, can be turned to joy. I can have peace in my life. I don't have to have anxiety. And you don't have to know every scripture verse. But I just want you to know that you might be the key ingredient, the fourth friend that just carries enough of the load that somebody will get to Jesus who couldn't normally get to Jesus. So he gets up, he takes his mat. And he walks out in full view of them all. (laughs) And they freak out, (laughs) right? This amazed everyone. They praise God saying, we've never seen anything like this. You think? (laughs) Really? It doesn't happen every day in Capernaum? That's weird. Look, I know when we talk about inviting someone to church or um, talking about your faith or whatever, that stirs up feelings of anxiety, but... When you've seen people's lives transformed by Jesus, and you see when they would hobble along and now they're walking in different areas of their life, there's nothing like that. And so when we say, and we'll be saying it in the coming weeks, like, hey, Easter's coming, why don't you invite somebody? Just invite somebody to Easter. You know, 80% of the people you invite to Easter will come. They just need to be invited and that that maybe that's all it is maybe that's you carrying your corner of the pallet for somebody maybe it's just sharing with a friend you know i've been i've been coming cuz i know a lot of our stories and i've been coming to church for the last few months and it's really different the bible yeah i'm just i'm i'm just doing that maybe for some of you 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 started a, you're going to start in a rooted group this week and all of a sudden you're going to be around other people who are in the same journey too and you might be learning some things, and you might go, oh, I'm in this group, and I don't know about the Bible, I don't know about all this kind of stuff, but here's the thing, I think God has changed my life. That might be just the little lift you need to do to help somebody who couldn't get to Jesus, get to Jesus. And so in the coming weeks, I'm gonna be kind of, nudging you a little bit. Now, some of you, you're good at this already. You've already invited uh, your company and all your competitors to to church or to whatever. I mean, that's just who you are. You you have that thing. For others, listen to God. And just maybe this is someone I I, I should invite. As uh, Ajua comes back up, anytime Jesus heals, Anytime Jesus heals, whether it's me having a cold, whether it's you having a anytime he takes authority over the physical realm, it's just an indication of the authority he has in the spiritual realm. And so I can't talk about this particular story and talk about Jesus and talk about the forgiveness of sins without giving us an opportunity. Like, what does it even mean to have our sins forgiven? Like, maybe you've never really approached Jesus in this way. Maybe for you, you've been coming to church or you've been um, in this process and you're, you feel like you're growing closer to God and you, you've never said at any point of just like, God, take over. Forgive me of my past sins. And I'm just, I want to start a relationship with you. Maybe you've never had the opportunity to do that or you wouldn't even know, know how. Well, there's nothing special about what I'm going to lead us in. It's not a special prayer. It's not a special um, uh, because I use certain words that t- takes it. It all comes from your heart. It all comes from going, you know what? I'm ready to live a life with Jesus as the center. I'm ready to live a life. I'm ready to kind of turn from my past. I'm ready to have my sins forgiven that's why we have a cross on stage the reason those people didn't have to go back and buy an animal and do a sacrifice and go to the temple and go through the line and all that kind of stuff is because there was one sacrifice that was made that took the place of all those sacrifices and it was jesus himself the one who has the authority to forgive sins and the one that has authority to heal And so when he hung on the cross and he died and was buried, and then what we're going to celebrate at Easter, he rose again. He broke the chains of sin and death. And he allows us to just come to him and say, God, Jesus, I accept what you did on the cross, and I need forgiveness of sins, and I want to make you Lord of my life. That is as simple as I can can make it. And so... Here's what I'm going to do, because I pray this prayer often. It's not just a one time, oh, yeah, when I was five, I prayed this prayer, and so I'm good, and, um, you know, and now I'm on my way. I mean, I constantly need my sins forgiven, and I constantly need to be in a posture where I'm accepting him to be Lord of my life over and over again. So I would just like us to close our eyes and bow our heads. And um, whether you've been a Christian for 30 years Whether you are just thinking, you know what? I think I I think I am ready. I would I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and so I'll pray a little bit, and then you can pray. And if you're if you're like I'm not ready to do, I just I just like the band, (laughs) you know. I get that, and that's fine, and you don't need to participate in this. But we would be doing you a disservice if we didn't allow you this opportunity to be brought to Jesus. And to have your sins forgiven. So um, if, you, if that's you, again, been a Christian for a long time, maybe, uh, maybe you're just starting out. If, you, if that's your desire, is to have him Lord of your life, just repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for paying the penalty of my sin. Please forgive me of my sins. I want you to be Lord of my life. And I give you my life today. In Jesus' name, amen.